Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. <coughs> Recording in progress. Yes, that's what that's what the word of the Lord says. Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Wherever wherever the demonic spirits reign, there is bondage. There's corruption. There is confusion. Um, I want us to pray in this moment. I want you to join with me as we come before the throne of grace, as we seek the Lord's blessing this uh, this evening, or for those of you that it's e for it's, uh, it's evening, and for those of us it's day. Um, I want us to come to Him and ask Him to bless us. Now, as as it is my custom to say. I I need us all to have an undivided attention um, as we as we come before the Lord. Um, I I put you in remembrance because I understand the the nature of our gathering can tempt you to have a divided attention, <coughs> and I want to stress the importance of your undivided attention. Um. As I and I keep I keep bringing this up only because I want you to be well assured of this and and for your for your views to change in this regard that um, what sancti you got to understand the difference between what is sanctified and what is common. Okay, the reason why I bring that up is because whenever whenever an individual, not any individual, whenever someone who is called of the Lord, um sanctifies a meeting in the name of Jesus Christ. It is as if God himself is in the midst. Okay. So that's first of all. Now how how why is that important? If God is in our midst, then it follows that our meeting is holy unto the Lord. Now if it is holy, it isn't common. Now if it is not if it is not common and you treat it as common then it's probably because you are common and you are unholy. Now I know what I'm saying is are very strong words. <clears throat> but I I will rebuke disrespect of the presence of God real quick. Okay? Um and it it's, it has nothing to do with anger. The reason why I'm jealous over to maintain a pure atmosphere is because the moment you bring in your disrespect, the moment you bring in your your lack of reverence for God's presence, then the Holy Spirit becomes offended and leaves. Do you, why do you why do you wonder why Jesus told those who had unbelief to get out of the room when he went to go heal? If I'm not mistaken, it was Peter's mother-in-law. He, or it was it was someone I forget. It might have been the young uh, girl who was dead. He says he kicked everybody out who had unbelief or scoffing at him. Why? Because he could not uh, afford for the atmosphere to become infected with the com with uh, commonality and unbelief. 
And so therefore, my exhortation to you, and I, I solemnly charge you before God not to be an uncommon, unholy, profane person. I see it all the time. People come into the presence of God playing with their phone, joking around, and they're completely oblivious to whether God is, is there or not. And it's no wonder why their lives of prayer are so destitute of the presence of God, and they can't ever seem to feel God or know God. And it's no different than our sloppy Sunday uh, morning entertainment shows with clowns behind the pulpits and people have to feel the pressure of always entertaining people because the people there have no relationship with the living God. It's all, it's all gimmicks. It's all circus. It's jokes. And God forbid that I should succumb to those who are profane and unholy and love to entertain goats. I'm not here to entertain goats. I'm here to educate you and to to disciple, to charge you before God as sheep. As sheep. If in fact you are. And I, I don't doubt that anybody here uh, I, I don't I don't doubt that you are not sheeps, but I, I'm just I'm saying this to put into the forefront of your mind. We have to give the utmost attention to the presence of God, and the presence of God is not confined to location. Do you know what connects you to the presence of God to the anointing is desperation and faith. And that's why the woman, while everybody else was touching Jesus, no one was uh, receiving the anointing except that one woman who said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And some of you, some of you have grown so apathetic and indifferent to the presence of God that you are no longer of that breed. You're no longer of that tribe who have remained desperate up until the present day. Are we still like David who says, bow down your ear for I am poor and needy? <coughs> or are we like the Laodiceans? It says, I have increased in goods and I have need of nothing. The gospel is preached to the poor in spirit. And just because you have met Jesus Christ and obtained uh, the eternal wealth of his salvation, do not be mistaken for a moment that you will from here to eternity remain impoverished in spirit because the self-same water that you had partaken on the first day of your salvation is the same water you have to continue to go to the eternal well. And Jesus is that eternal well. And so I rebuke every apathetic spirit, every indifferent spirit. I reject it and I denounce it. It is not welcomed. I want people that are a holy tribe, that are on fire for God, who want nothing but Him. That isn't to say other things are not our concern, but we, we, are, we are holy people that are charged and energized by His Spirit. And gain ascendancy by His Spirit. And if there's anything that I want to educate you all and to disciple you in, is not to be slothful in zeal, but to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, like it says in Romans 12. 
I'm not looking for emotional Christians that are that you know play their little gimmicks in church and play their little church stuff and have their little church things. I, I, that's I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm talking about energized and kept alive and on fire by His Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't always work with emotions. If you're an emotional Christian, you won't last. You won't survive. Let me say it again. If you're an emotional Christian, you won't last and you won't survive. Why? You get offended. You feel this way. You feel that way. You feel tired, and so you dictate your life of prayer by how tired you are. You feel frustrated, and so you don't pray. That's feelings Christianity. The Bible doesn't say whether you feel like it or not. The Bible doesn't say whether you like it or not. The Bible makes it very clear that we are to be led of the Holy Ghost, that we are to be led of the Spirit. Jesus in the garden was led in the Spirit to pray uh, uh, three times each an hour each each interval of an hour and it says being in agony he prayed all the more earnestly so his feelings were of a certain state well his feelings were so uh pummeled by all the pressure that had caused him to be uh, um, in agony and nevertheless he didn't say oh this is an occasion for me to pray less earnestly it says in Luke 22 he prayed all the more earnestly and so for those of you who say, I'm tired, I, I'm this, I'm that, none of that is an excuse to God and it's not an excuse to, and God forbid that it's an excuse to you. Isn't it located in the Bible that when we are weak, then he is strong? Amen, somebody? Or, or do we actually believe that when we're strong, he's strong? Amen. God doesn't work, God's kingdom don't work the way you want it to work. He's going to bend you and break you. He's going to shape you and mold you under fire because he wants the impurities and the dross to come out. And if you keep insisting on your way, and, and, and I'll be the first to admit that my flesh is just like your flesh. I'm from Adam just like you're from Adam. This right here, this flesh and blood, it's from Adam just like you're from Adam in that regard. And guess what? I like to be comfortable. I like all that stuff. But at the end of the day, the Holy Ghost resides in me. And I have a decision. Am I going to obey Adam or am I going to obey Christ? Am I going to say I would rather just sleep and not pray, not battle demons, but or am I going to seek the living God? There's no option for me. When I said no to the world and yes to Christ, I died with Him and I'm raised to newness of life and I have no other option. I put my hand on the plow and I can't look back because if I do, I'll turn into a pillar of salt. A pillar of salt. Looking back to Sodom, looking back to Gomorrah and all its comforts, all its fullness of bread. <clears throat> that was the sin of Sodom, fullness of bread, pride and so on and so forth, all of its security. And so it's easy to look back to what is secure. You know, Abraham, the Bible says he went 
down into Egypt. No, up into Egypt. And and the 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 preposition up, the location up is very important because when he went up into Egypt, see the kingdom is about going down and God lifts you up. Abraham went up into Egypt and he had a bunch of problems. And some of us we want to go up to Sodom, up to Egypt, up to Babylon, because it's secure there. But you as a righteous man or a righteous woman will be like Lot and suffer and be afflicted in your soul and spirit all the days of your of your being there. But when you choose to be afflicted in the flesh, to choose rather to suffer the, uh, uh, with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin for a season, is was, was on Moses' resume. He was in Pharaoh's palace, had everything, but he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy fleeting pleasures of sin for a season. <coughs> Um, we we will come to pray now, but that I I refuse to be scripted and prompted because when I do things like this, is the Holy Spirit wants to say something to you in a very spontaneous way, and as I navigate and be yielded to Him, there are things that I don't know that He knows about you. And so let me let me conclude with this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And I speak this by him, not my not by my um, own accord. And if you can't hear the voice of Christ, you cannot discern the body, and you're blind and dull of hearing. Amen, somebody? Amen? Amen. And so, God help you. God help you. Father, we we come before you, Lord, right now in your holy and precious name. And Father, I pray, God, that you would grant each and every one of your children the grace to hear, the grace to receive. Father, I pray that you grant me prophetic insight. Lord, that you would grant me the ability to speak by your Spirit and not by my flesh. Not even by my soul or by my own zeal. Father, I want to speak by your Spirit. Because I know it is that your spirit and your spirit alone that can divide soul and spirit and judge the intents and the motives of the heart and nothing in all of creation will be hidden from your sight. And so Father, I pray that you would afflict the comfortable and you would comfort the afflicted. And this is how you work, Lord. You You always put balance to your body. Afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Lord, I ask that you would afflict the comfortable only because it is remedial and you seek to put your people in their proper place for their own good. 
But Lord, you care for the afflicted, and you want them comforted. For your word says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So, Father, I pray that you would comfort them, and I pray, God, that nobody would dodge the word today. Nobody would dodge the word, and I just come against every satanic uh, attack, Lord, on your people that would attempt to to allure to lure them away from hearing what you would desi- what you desire to say to them today grant them power grant them o lord endurance grant them grace father multiply grace upon grace and holy spirit i pray right now that you would deconstruct every stronghold in their mind every religious stronghold Lord, that they may be built up as a holy edifice, as a holy temple in the Lord. A holy temple in the Lord. God, and I pray that the things that they would commit to and live for are worth you dying for. And may you as the Lamb of God have the full rewards of your suffering. May the Lamb of God have the full rewards of his sufferings. And Lord, I pray God today that you would keep us in the gospel, that we would continue to believe the gospel, or lest we find ourselves condemned before you. May we continue to believe by faith, Lord, not by works, not by what we can add to you, Lord, but by pure, simple faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit, and thank you for your grace. And I, I just, I'll, I'll, I'll honor sister's uh, request. Father, I just pray for... I pray that you would grant her patience, Lord. Help her, Father. Grant her endurance. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would help her, Lord. I, I pray for your presence, Lord, upon her right now. May your presence help her, Lord. May your presence lift her up. As she uh, uh, humbles herself before your mighty hand, you will lift her up in due time. Father, may she humble herself before you. This is Lord, I pray that she would humble herself lest you humble her. Lord, I pray that you humble her, Lord. Well, she humbles herself lest you humble her, Lord. It's so much easier if we just submit to you and say, yes, Lord, whatever you want. And, and and Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help her in, in despite every undesirous position she may be in or things that come her way. Father, I pray that she would be content knowing that she knows you. And Lord, that we only have to suffer a little while. And after that, the God of all grace will make us perfect, establish us, strengthen us, and settle us. So Father, grant her peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' mighty name, <clears throat> amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We all here. Praise God. I want us to... Open up our Bibles if we have them. 
if you have one, <laughs> right? If you have your Bibles, <coughs> and I want to ask that you turn to Second Corinthians chapter eleven. I I want to hopefully speak to you guys a little bit about <coughs> false teachers and um, yeah, so just there's really not much I can say about that topic other than I I I hope to give a little attention to false teachers because. We, we live in a day and age where <clears throat> there is so much access to voices. More, now more than ever, there are access to voices and everywhere you go, you have advertisements and, and book sales and ads on YouTube, ads on Instagram, um, looking for your attention. Um, which by the way, if you're on Instagram, get off. Amen. Um, let me just say this on the side that there's some of you that are rebellious. Okay. And, um, you might say, well, you feel protected behind the screen, but you don't understand that, uh, one of the signs of a spiritual preacher, and I don't say this to lift myself up or anything like that, but I want, I, I want you to understand where, where I'm coming from, is Jesus. the Bible says that Jesus, when he was preaching, it says he knew their thoughts. And I, I, I don't know what, what some people in church think sometimes. when the when, Well, if it's an unspiritual preacher, I get it. You can feel pretty safe. Um, but when, when it's someone who knows the Lord, you must understand that God, God reveals things to me as I'm preaching. And sometimes he drops names on me and sometimes he doesn't. But I feel when there's resistance in the spirit. And I feel when I'm picking up rebellion. And I feel when I'm picking up distraction. And so I don't I don't want to call any of you out. Okay, so I, I want I want us to honor this time. Amen, somebody? Um and and I can I can taste stuff in the atmosphere. Okay, and I don't want to make it awkward for anyone and say, um, "Hey, so and so, stop." <laughs> Amen. So, <clears throat> thank you, guys. I'm not a jerk. Amen. I, I I'm doing this for your for your profit. I, I love you all. I do. Alright, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you received a different spirit, that's scary. <laughs> Receiving a different spirit, count me out. 
from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put it up with you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to the super apostles, even if I am an unskilled in speaking. I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Um, and go down to verse 12. <coughs> and what am I doing, and what I am doing I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. <clears throat> and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, so it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, their end will correspond to their deeds." This is this is a heavy thing here. So I want you I want to give you a little bit of background here. So Paul is rebuking the people he has fathered in the faith because there had some there had been some people who had come in who had claimed to be um, apostles, and the reason why he terms them super apostles is um, because they're elevating themselves. Because to be super basically means to be beyond or to be above or to excel in some way. And what was happening is they were beginning to show disdain and disapproval of Paul the Apostle for a number of reasons. They <clears throat> were claiming that he was trying to smooch off of them. Um, even though Paul never asked them for money <coughs> and... Um, in fact, Paul says, look, I've, I've, I've robbed, because they're accusing him of robbing them. He says, I robbed other churches so that you may not be burdened when we come to you. And, and there was also other things they were saying about him. As you notice, as we're reading, he says, I may not be a skilled speaker. In other words, he was, he was obviously a preacher ordained by Christ, ordained by God. But what they favored was a sort of eloquent, what you would call rhetoric. Rhetoric is the art of speaking. And in Corinth, that's exactly the sort of people they were. They were influenced by Greco philosophy, Greco uh, poetry, Greco um public speaking and so the more the el and the more eloquent you were the more appealing you were to the Corinthians flesh and Paul did not give way to that in fact he said when I come to you brethren I did not come with the excellency of speech but I came with the demonstration of the spirit's power and I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified but the Corinthians began accusing Paul, and he was beginning to lose his relational favor with them. Let me say this. Um, Satan will continue to <coughs> work on your mind, especially towards leaders. The reason why that's the case is the Bible says, I will strike the shepherd and the scatter the flock. The accuser of the brethren is always interested 
in not even full-blown lies, is in half-truths. And he will whisper in your ear about people and, and, and especially about leaders for the sole purpose of dividing church, dividing people, dividing God's sheep. And this is exactly what the Corinthian church is doing. And so they began accepting super apostles. Um, um, they began, I joke around with some of you guys, I call you Archbishop. They began to accept the super Megatron Archbishops. <laughs> but the, the point of that though was these people began to take advantage of the Corinthian church. And Paul is saying, look, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy, a divine jealousy, since I betrothed you to one husband uh, and, and, um, and as a pure virgin to Christ, but I <coughs> am afraid <coughs> that just as the serpent deceived Eve, that, that the devil is using other voices to deceive you. That, that's there in the text, right? That's Paul's concern. As he said elsewhere in the book of Colossians, that you would not be deceived by human philosophy and shallow traditions of men and empty deceit. Right? Because let, let, me, let me show you this. It says right here, it says that Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning. Right, so it it wasn't that she backslid because um, she knew what was going on. She was deceived, and let me let me say this, my brothers and sisters. Paul says, "If you think you stand, consider yourself lest you fall." So, if they fell in the state of paradise, how much more easier is it for you and I to fall in a state of corruption? Amen. If Eve was deceived in a state of paradise, in the presence of God, how much more will you and I potentially, without the whole, because we need to rely on the Holy Ghost. If we don't rely on Him, we're going to be deceived. You know how easy it is to be deceived? And I don't want to scare you, but I want to, I want to sober you up here. Peter thought he was doing a good thing when he said Jesus could not should not go to the cross. We could he could have easily justified that by the Bible and says the Bible says love your brethren. Right? Um he, he could have looked at many other passages with a show compassion, you know, to warn your brother and sort of stuff like that. But but Jesus actually rebukes him and says, Get behind me, Satan. Those, the explicit words that he said from his mouth to Peter, get behind me, Satan. In other words, Peter was in that moment through compassion, yielding himself to the devil. The devil used compassion and sincerity and love for Jesus. Man, figure that. Love for Jesus the devil uses a man's love for God and twists it to try to thwart and terminate the plans of God. And this is what Jesus said. He didn't say, get behind me, Satan, you murderer, 
Or, or Peter, you're a murderer. He, he didn't say that. He said, get behind me, Satan. For Peter, you're minding the things of men, not the things of God. In other words, you got your mind and not the Holy Ghost's mind. And this is something that I've said on many occasions to brothers who, who you know, it's funny because a lot of times the people who act like they know the Bible the best and who, I mean, they'll say, God just showed me this. You know, and, and they say that sort of, I'm sorry, I'm kind of being theatrical here. I don't mean to be belittling or anything like that. Um, but that's the sort of the, the thing I imagine that w when they say stuff like that. Um, end up being the people who are off the trajectory by a long shot. Just like with this ex-Satanist who from South Africa, Charisma, Charisma Magazine and all these other people thinking this guy got saved. And they're saying, wow, look at what Jesus did. I'm like, no, he didn't. <laughs> um, and, and people are throwing it back, you know, with the saying, you know, <clears throat> you know, you guys need to stop being Pharisees sort of stuff, that sort of talk. Because there are some very few that are not readily accepting that this guy got saved and um and um yeah so th they're just lacking in discernment man um but that's what Jesus said he says you're minding the things of men you you have man's and so some of you are actually trying to do things for God with your mind And it doesn't matter how sincere you are. It doesn't matter how kind you are. See, you got to understand this, that at the end of the day, God isn't looking for kindness. God isn't even looking for um, politeness or anything like that necessarily. What he's looking for is godliness and spirituality. And there are some very moral Christians that are godless. You might say, how is that true? Well, because you have a good conduct and you actually do things really well. And, and you, 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 you do good to people. But just because you do good to people don't mean you got God. And that's what godlessness is if you ain't got God. You ain't got God in your mind. You ain't got God in your motives. You ain't got God in, in, your, in your vision. Do you know that you can do something very immoral? You can feed a homeless person and still be godless in your act? Why? Because you're doing it for self. Ananias and Sapphira, they gave a bunch of money, but what did they do it for? What did they do it for? <coughs> this is why I stress so much that if you don't got the gift of tongues, you need to get it. Why? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, when I pray in my with the Spirit, my mind is unfruitful. 
In other words, my mind is disengaged from the activity of prayer so that when I do pray in tongues, I am engaging with the Spirit's mind. Now, when I am engaging with the Spirit's mind, I am fasting from mine. The more I fast from my mind, I weaken it and I lower its volume. I lower the volume of my mind. And the more that I abide in the Spirit... I abide in the Spirit, speak by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. The more I train the sense, my spiritual senses, and I therefore heighten my act, I heighten myself in the Spirit, right? But the people who never give activity or attendance to spirituality, the only senses they walk in are the natural senses. And so what fasting is to the body, praying in tongues is to the mind. Because when we pray in tongues, we pray the Spirit's mind, not ours. Paul says, my mind is unfruitful when I pray in the Spirit. And so, the more you fast in food, you weaken the flesh. And in fact, when you, when you first begin fasting, what will happen to the flesh is your flesh will begin to shout at you and scream at you, eat, 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 eat. Come on, you know you want it, come on. And in fact, before you declare the fast, you could have abstained from food with the same measure of time, but your body won't shout at you so loud. If The moment you declare the fast, your flesh begins to yell at you. And then once you cross a certain threshold, the volume of your flesh lowers because you gain mastery over it. So what happens when you pray in tongues, you gain mastery over your mind because after a certain point, your mind begins to stop screaming at you. It's like when I, it's like when I was locked up, when I, when I was locked up and confined and incarcerated and restricted the the thoughts your thoughts begin to surface and scream at you because it doesn't like restriction but after a while the volume becomes it becomes diminished and so i i'll leave it there <coughs> but my point though is this <coughs> Satan is very crafty at getting into your mind and doing what? It says this, uh, that Paul was concerned that just as the, the, serpent was de- the, the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray. So thoughts come from minds. Thoughts come from spirits. Okay, so here's how it goes. There's a spirit. Those spirits produce thoughts. Those thoughts become words. Those words become doctrines. And those doctrines are preached. Hence where we get demonic doctrines. They come from demonic spirits and seducing spirits. And so the battle, a lot of it is going to be in your mind. Because Satan is going to keep trying to work on your mind. Hey, you know, uh, Brother Greg don't know what he's talking about. He's a liar. Uh, Oh yeah, sister so-and-so, 
Yeah, I know you don't know too much about her, but pss, she's a liar. And begin to get you to in a place to where you start slandering people, gossiping. Or even about yourself. Hey, you're not saved. You're going to hell. And <coughs> the devil is malicious. <coughs> He'll say, you're ugly. Kill yourself. And I, I, I know you probably not won't like me saying that as an example, but I'm just being real. And, and and shedding light on things that Satan is going to tell you. Hey, stop worshiping God. Just bow down and worship me and I'll give you all of this. Hey, turn these uh, uh, stones into bread. Hey, you don't have to take your prayer life too seriously. Hey... You know, just skip out on reading the word. Hey, you don't have to forgive that brother. God will still forgive you. Not knowing that you're you're drifting away from the mind of Christ. And so he he wants to seduce you in your thought life. The idle mind is a dangerous place. Amen. The idle mind is a dangerous place and he will work on you. He will manipulate you. He will he will put your hands behind your back and get you in, in a position that you never had expected to get in. I, I put something in the chat just yesterday. Sin will take you farther than you, where you wanted to go. It will keep you longer than you wanted to be. And it will take from you more than you are willing to give. Amen. And so <clears throat> let's let's be careful what spirits we're listening to. And spirits use people. Who are we listening to? Seriously, who are we listening to? Are, are are we enjoying our R-rated movies? Coming coming into the sanctuary, worshiping the Lord with holy hands, and then going and watching R-rated movies, taking delight in the things that God hates. I'm sick of this stuff. I mean, people want to say, "Well, uh, the passion is rated R." People have said that dumb thing to me before to try to justify the things that they want to do and watch and love. No. If there is nudity, if, if there's things that I mean, come on, for crying out loud, we read the scriptures, don't we? Know that God hates the things that the world laughs at and loves. God don't love that. And he's not pleased with you in watching that. Don't justify that stuff. It's garbage. It's trash. Oh, my brother, oh, we got liberty in Jesus. 
Yeah, keep taking your liberty to its logical conclusion. You'll find yourself in bondage not too long from now. Did not Paul save the false teachers while promising them, or Peter said of the false teachers, while promise you new freedom are themselves in bondage? They're sensual preachers. They tell you what you want to hear. It's sad. It's very sad. <clears throat> so, are we all right? Are you okay? Amen. That's that's why you have the comforter, so he can comfort you. My brothers and sisters, let me let me let me say very very solemnly. If you don't rely, if you don't learn to rely on the Holy Spirit, you know, you know, some of you are like kind of those people that used to love <coughs> sulking in your emotions before. <clears throat> in the world, used to go get drunk, go get high, right? You know, maybe you are those emotional drunks that love to throw on some old songs or whatever, right, and sulk in your emotions. There's no place for that in the kingdom. <clears throat> you, you ever you ever see this? You know, it, I, I, the Lord gave me this this example right now, and I don't know who He's speaking to. You know those old with well, those Hindu, I don't know, Indian charmers. You know, with the turbans and stuff, and they're going like this. Do 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 do. You know, yeah, th those sort of things. Why do they call them charmers? Why is charm often associated with women? In the scriptures, in the book of Proverbs, beauty is fleeting, charm is deceitful, charm is witchcraft. You have to be a good charmer to even charm a serpent who is above all the most deceitful creature. And when they charm those snakes, they move with the sway of the music. Satan wants to get you to move with the sway of your emotions. To charm you. That's why he will allure you. And you begin to feel like so you, something hooked you. And you're being dragged away and enticed. <clears throat> through your movies, through your music, through relationships you've accepted, and you haven't cut it off. And, and so as a consequence, you're being charmed. You're being deceived. Meanwhile, claiming sound theology, sound doctrine, but you ain't sound in God's mind. The devil's rocking you sound asleep. May the Lord give you understanding and grace. Get in the spirit, not your emotions. And you have to learn the difference. You have to. God divides both soul and spirit by his two-edged sword. Amen.
Let, let me give you an example of a soulish Christian. Oh, he's so handsome. He even loves reading the same Bible translation I use. Oh, isn't that so adorable? We love the same worship band too. Notice there's nothing of God in that. There's Bible, there's worship, but there's no God. Versus that's that, that man right there is whom the Lord has assigned to me. See the difference? You see a Christian with a soulish mind versus a Christian with Christ's mind? Do you see that? <clears throat> Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. Galatians, and I'm, I'm trying to help you out here. Don't feel condemned. Okay, I don't, I don't want you to, because if, if you're feeling condemned, um, that's not where God wants you to be. I know some of this stuff can be very heavy. I understand. <coughs> I'm not trying to make it heavier than what it should be. Um, Galatians chapter 3. So we, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, what, what were these super apostles who were deceitful workers? <coughs> they were being used by the devil. And Paul's fear was, look man, you're going to stop listening to true apostles and you're going to start listening to these guys. And while you're claiming us, as tr claiming the true apostles to be smooching off you, that's actually what they're doing. In fact, Paul accused the Corinthian church for allowing those people to strike them and to put up with it and to enslave them. Okay, and so that's Paul's concern. Like, look, I don't want your thoughts to be led away from Christ. That's the thing. If it's leading you away from Christ, guess what? The devil's already at work. You bit on, you, you've accepted some satanic philosophy somewhere in your, in your walk. Whether that's through some systematic doctrine or through it, it's through practice. Either way, it's, its intent is to lead you away from Jesus. Okay? And so, okay, I'll, I'll stop there. Um, Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. <coughs> o foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing with faith? So Paul is saying, look. You're bewitched. In other words, someone has succeeded in deceiving you through witchcraft. Through witchcraft. You say, no, that can't happen to God's people. Yes, it can. Oh, yes, it can. And it's like, well, are the Church of Galatia uh, producing, you know, are they... Are they <coughs> are they practicing the occult? Are they a, a practicing occultic practices? No, you know, and I I don't want us to minimize at all the occultic practices. They are powerful, and they're not. See, 
I'm sorry, I, I carry a lot of burden in my heart. I get distressed over the fact that today we're in, we're living in a world where the church has blinded themselves and they don't think that spirituality exists or can do anything to people. They think it's just hocus pocus nonsense. Because the, the worldview of scientism and naturalism and materialism here in the West has prevented us from not being able to see spiritual uh, things. Amen. Amen. For example, Planned Parenthood, don't you know that's an, a temple and an altar? And the God behind it is Molech? You know why? Because every demon in a certain region requires a certain sacrifice. It has to be a certain race, certain ages. Certain... Why do you think there in Planned Parenthood it only requires children? It only requires babies. That, that's what Molech required in ancient times. It's what he requires now. That's, you know there's uh, uh, demons of gangs that require the blood of black males? There's certain demons that require the blood of Hispanic males. And you think it's just gang politics. It's not just gang politics. Yes, there's human factors. But there's always demons behind it that say, we require the blood on this blood from this person on this altar. It's no different with our Lord. What did he require? Lambs. But among the poor who couldn't give lambs, he made exceptions. He says, just give uh, some doves. Every spirit requires a certain sacrifice, and it require and you can't just offer a sacrifice without an altar. And the altar needs temples. Right? Planned Parenthood is a temple and it has altars in it very spiritual thing that's why Christians who think they're going to win everything by legislation you're duped you ain't got a clue there are altars that are speaking that necessitate certain legislative outcomes and so the church has to combat those altars with an altar greater in stature and strength than theirs to break them that's how they can be succeeded that's the only way Amen. So, I, I know I veer off here and there, but I, 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 so these thoughts build up to other thoughts because if you don't get these sub thoughts, you won't get the conclusions that I want you to reach. <clears throat> but don't minimize witchcraft. But here's what I would say: even more deceitful than the occultic practices are. Through natural means. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter, what is it? The, in the end chapter, let me see. Five, where it gives the works of the flesh, it includes witchcraft. And and one of the, the it's the works of the flesh. It's not a spiritual work. So there's different categories. There is spiritual witchcraft and then there is natural witchcraft. And natural witchcraft is through manipulation, through coercion, through psychology. And employing these dark psychology and seduction for the outcome of deceit. Do you, do, are you following me? 
And one of the methods that the devil uses to beguile you with witchcraft is false doctrine. And that's exactly what was taking place in the church of Galatia. Yes, that's that's right, Brother Christian. No, that's good. Thank you for that. Altar is a platform makes contact with his physical place on a legal land. An altar is an interface. It's like a portal. The, the analogy I, I like to use is uh, 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 if I'm playing a video game, how the only way that I can manipulate the virtual world to succeed in gaining the outcomes I want is that I must have a controller and that controller must be connected to an interface, and we call that the game console. It's what connects me to that world. I'm manipulated by the controller, but it must be connected to that interface. Altars are the portal, the interface, that demons and mankind commune with each other. And so we can manipulate the spirit realm by that altar, and the demonic spirits can in, interact with the people in the natural through that altar. Without, without that altar, there is no communion or communication. You see that? And, and because we as human beings are the only beings that are natural and spiritual, and so we have the capacity to interact with both. But it's us who have to erect the altar in order for the demons to have legitimacy in our realm. And so without our cooperation to their requests or their desires, there will be no inter interact. That's why witches and warlocks who uh, do all these things to manipulate legislation, to manipulate things that go on in the natural is, is not, no just hocus pocus stuff it's it's legit and that's why we as we uh offer up incense on the altar of prayer we manipulate what goes on in this and i know that's a it carries negative connotations but we 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 change the outcomes of our world as it has been said before that prayer is earthly permission for heavenly interference. Amen. <clears throat> and so, some of the churches blaming everything on God, why, why things don't change. In Ezekiel chapter 22, if I'm not mistaken, the Lord says, I want to have mercy upon these people, and I look for a man who would, would build up the hedge and stand in the gap. He says, I found none. Therefore, my, my wrath will be poured out upon these people. So what is heaven declaring? Heaven wants to have mercy upon a certain people, but it cannot find expression because there isn't a man to cooperate with heaven. Do you see that? And then everybody ends up blaming God why certain things didn't happen. Oh, you, you want to know why? Because you didn't pray. And you didn't persist in it. And, and some will say, no, brother, it can't be that. Well, okay, keep believing that then. <laughs> You'll see real soon. You'll see real soon. But I, I pray that you don't have to see. 
I pray that you would see fruit and results of certain outcomes changing for your favor. <coughs> but <coughs> the church of Galatia is being bewitched through manipulation, through false doctrine. And context, the problem, the doctrines that were specific to them that they were being bewitched with was the gospel of works, which Paul is, says is no other gospel. In fact, if you turn to Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, he says, I am astonished you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. The Greek word is anathema. That is to say to be rejected and cursed and condemned by God. Look at how serious Paul deals with this here. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so, <clears throat> can you oh, repeat what? I'm sorry, sis, I, I didn't, I'm just reading this right now. <coughs> oh, the verse. Okay. Uh, in Galatians or the one in Ezekiel? But yeah, that, there's that verse in Ezekiel. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap. So in other, other words, he's looking for an intercessor of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. And then in the following verse, he ends up saying, well, therefore my wrath will be poured out upon them. So look at a man could have changed the outcome of heaven's expression on earth. And so... Paul is saying, look, if, if these t false teachers are coming to you with another gospel, let them be accursed. That's not what the ex-Satanist was saying, right? From the South African uh, Satanic Temple, he said, it's just love, right? <laughs> That's what he was saying, it was just love. And that there's no condemnation for anybody because it's all light and it's all love. <clears throat> You know, it's sad, it's sad that we're living in a day and age that um, if you correct the body of Christ on this stuff, they get offended. Like, what? I, I, I was wrong? And they just, they can't think, they can't think for the life of them that they were wrong about that. And that's that's where, that's where we get, we, we get lot, we get stuck in our feelings and stuff and we can't do that. You know, like what Ben Shapiro said, he says, facts don't care about your feelings. Well, the Bible kind of, and I'm not trying to be mean, but the Bible kind of doesn't care about our feelings. Amen. And, and my brothers and my sisters, let me say this as an encouragement. You shouldn't either. You know why? Because one day you'll feel condemned, the next day you won't. And and that that's just a roller coaster, man. It's about faith. It ain't about what you feel. Amen.
Either the blood of Jesus was sufficient or you don't feel that way. For the heck with how you feel. What does the Bible say? What's the truth of God? Right? What does the truth of God say to your identity? The blood of Jesus speaks better things than your feelings speak. Amen, somebody? Amen. The blood of Jesus speaks way better things than what your feelings say. Amen. <clears throat> and so, and, and I, I want to encourage you in that, I mean, because that is the realm that, that the devil will, the mind and your thought life and your feelings life, the, the life of your feelings. He'll work on that, work on it, work on it, work on it. And Jesus, he don't want you to do all that. He says, look, just cast all your cares to me. I'll take care of all that stuff. Cast all of them. Not some of them, cast all of them. Every last care. How you feel, all that stuff. David poured out his soul unto the Lord. I love this song. It's entitled Anointing by Men of Standard. It says at the end, it says, You care for us more than we care for ourselves. Isn't that a sweet truth? But notice here, though, the Church of Galatia is being bewitched into accepting a works-based gospel by the by these false teachers. And I want, I want us to turn um, to... 1 John chapter 4, no, 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 um, I'm sorry, First, yeah, 1 John chapter 4 verse 6, 1 John chapter 4 verse 6, so let me just give you a little bit of indicators of, of the descriptions of false teachers, and the reason why I'm bringing this up because, <clears throat> you know, I, that guy, I don't really remember his name, but he had he had become very trendy. Um, if you guys don't know about him, maybe you might not be interested in looking him up. But he was a guy from who who was from the South African uh, satanic temple. He was like a co-founder, and then he he claimed to have met Jesus face to face and repented from all that. And so that has been very trending, uh, very trendy, and so. And a lot of believers I've seen have kind of been duped by that. And um, I see how it's possible and, and why that would happen because it looked very convincing. Especially when you're seeing the tears and you're, you're seeing and you're saying it's love and it's like, wow. And it's like it's an ex-Satanist who obviously was very hateful in his heart. And then you see this radical transformation and mind you, my brothers and sisters, a transformation did take place. That's the deceitful part. Because what does the transforming? What we're looking for as Christians is transform transformation by the Holy Ghost. And so, it, it see, the thing is the most deceitful things are the things that are so almost right there on the truth. It's, it's very close. And that's where discernment is needed. Discernment isn't needed where there's black and white. Like, 
if someone came up to you today and said, yo, hey, you want to take a hit of this crack cocaine? Like, you're, I'm sure, like, everyone's going to be like, that's the devil. Like, get away. You get what I'm saying? But if someone starts coming to you with the Bible, or coming to you with love, it's just love. Right? Because you could find that in the Bible. God is love, right? You could find that stuff there. And so that's where discernment is needed. It's not this black or white thing. It's gray. And so, 1 John chapter 4, verse 6, this is one of the ways that we... We'll just actually begin at verse 1. <coughs> to give context. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. How many? Many of them. Not few. That was in the first century. How much more now? Right? They've gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not... uh, Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So the reason why the, <clears throat> this was so important to say, you might think it's a hair-splitting difference to say Jesus didn't come in the flesh. Uh, uh, you know there there are people, there are people who um, were saying that Jesus did come. But the thing they were denying is the the way he came. And, and they were denying that Jesus came in the flesh. Why is this important? Is because there was an early teaching called Gnosticism that had taught that 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 the the body was so corrupt and sinful. Well, there was actually two sects of of Gnosticism. Either that the 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 uh, there was either this this strict like. A way of living like avoid everything, avoid marriage, avoid this, avoid that. And there was another one that was very licentious and indulgent where everything was uh, went. And the idea was that the body is so corrupt, it doesn't matter what you do. That's, that's what led them to that indulgent lifestyle, that, that the spirit is ultimately pure and the body is so corrupt. So we, we commit actions by the body and so even if we do good things, it's still corrupt, so it doesn't matter what we do. And so the Gnostics were teaching that the spirit was pure and that Jesus came in a spirit and not the flesh. But notice how cunning this is, because if you deny he came in the flesh, then you deny a bodily death. If you deny a bodily death, you deny forgiveness of sins. If you deny the forgiveness of sins, you have no gospel, because you ain't got good news. You're dead and in your sins. You see that? And it might sound really good on paper with a lot of philosophical jargon or, you know, pulling your emotional strings, but the in outworking, the end conclusion of that is a heresy, is a false belief system. And it now it's it's getting you to a, a totally different belief system. And now you're believing, as Paul said to the Corinthian church, another Jesus. Like that man who South Africa who claimed to to believe another to, to believe in Jesus. Yeah, oh yeah, but what Jesus are you talking about? Many false Christs will come. Did not Jesus say that? 
many false Jesus. You have all these ridiculous guys who come thinking that they're Jesus and they're proclaiming a second coming. And it's, it's crazy. You and I think it's stupid. But that's the power of witchcraft that they actually have churches. Large followings. Wow. It's kind of like with the COVID thing too, right? All these politicians employing witchcraft to get everybody afraid. But guess what? We're all here. <laughs> You're going to die. 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 Psychological manipulation and psychological abuse. It's witchcraft. Guess what? I'm still here. No weapon formed against me. I believe the report of the Lord. I believe the word of the Lord. I ain't believing Joe Biden. I ain't believing Kamala Harris. I ain't believing Nancy Pelosi. I ain't believing any of those uh, kooks. Amen. Right? Amen. But Joe Biden ain't deep anyways. His best quote is, what? Come on, man. <laughs> uh, what? Come on, man. What are we talking about? Did you guys see that recent video of how he read the teleprompter? Like the... <laughs> he was reading the teleprompter and it said, it said something about like repeat the words. And then <laughs> he read that part. And you see, like, people smirking, like... <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. For those of you that are Americans, have pity on us, because I'm embarrassed of our president. <laughs> Pray for us. <laughs> uh, There's another video where he said he's not going <coughs> to execute drunk drivers. He's not going to what? He's not going to put in jail drunk drivers. Like he literally said it on national television. He's like, if drunk driving kills people, I'm not going to prosecute. I'm, I'm not going to prosecute drunk he's, drivers. He's crazy, man. <laughs> got, our president is literally handing out crack pipes to people. Crack pipes and uh, syringe needles, so people can do their heroin and meth. Gosh, it's crazy. I mean, it it makes sense. His his son is a crack addict. You know. But anyways, um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> but look, as we continue to read, I, I'm coming to a close here. Don't believe every spirit. Uh, it says, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not a. Uh, 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 Every spirit that does not com does not confess Jesus is not <laughs> and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Verse four Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, and therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Okay? We are from God. <clears throat> Whoever knows God listens to us. 
Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So guess what? I guarantee you if you give me 10 minutes with that guy from South Africa, he will come to not believe me. Why? Because I'm from God. You are from God. And I guarantee you we're going to run into a disagreement and he's going to reject me. Why? Because he is from the world. We are from God. And they that hear us, hear God. They that hear us are from God. Right? So, See, some people at that point will say, well, that's arrogant to say that. It's not arrogant to say that. I know I'm in the truth. I know that I abide in the truth and his truth abides in me. I know I have his spirit. I know I have been sent from him as an ambassador of Christ. And that if those people don't accept the message I have to them, I don't care if they proclaim to be accepting Jesus. And I'm not talking about minor denominational differences. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about very fundamental lines in the sand. Is the scriptures the inerrant word of God? Are they in the infallible word of God? I guarantee you we're going to run up to a halt there. Why? Because demons won't confess that stuff. <clears throat> okay, so we we see that. Yes, and so even in these cases where they're proclaiming a Jesus, doesn't it doesn't matter because we have to define. Because look, for example, this is a good example. We have two Nancys in this group. And if we were talking casually, like, hey, Sister Nancy, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, we're like, okay, define that Nancy. We're defining by last names. Right? So that will give further definition. But if they had the same last name, we would have to give further definition. Well, how are we going to define this Nancy that we're talking about? So in the same way, you might say Jesus, I might say Jesus. Well, how do we define that Jesus? Where are his characteristics? What is his doctrine? What does he approve of? What does he not approve of? And when we start defining, that's why people don't want, today we don't want to add labels to stuff. We say every, you know, if you feel like a female, then you're a female. If you feel like a male, you're a male. If you feel like a clown, you feel like a koala, you feel like whatever, then you can go ahead and be that. But we don't want to put labels on stuff because labels exclude and labels define things. <laughs> Koala, raccoon, you know. Um, it's sad, man. <clears throat> Very sad. And so, there, there's, there's these doctrines. Te- this is a doctrine test that John has given us. Right? That's how you're able to differentiate. What is the doctrine that, that these people are preaching? And so we draw the line in the sand. And don't allow anybody to say that... Um, <laughs> don't allow anyone to say you're a Pharisee or you're judgmental, you're being religious. See, let me, let me pu- puncture a hole in that real quick. If anybody ever calls you judgmental... Then you ask the question, are you judging my judgment? Are you judging me for judging? 
and it's self-refuting, you can't ever advance in making a judgment. You get what I'm saying? And so Jesus wants us to, Jesus never said don't judge. He says judge righteously. Right? Now, I understand there's literally a verse where he says don't judge, but you must understand that Jesus had these very pointed statements that were sometimes unqualified. And if you look elsewhere where he made other statements, you'll see that it adds further description to what he is actually trying to say. And so when Jesus said don't judge, really what he's talking about is the judgments that you are supposed to make are righteous judgments. The judgments that you're supposed to avoid are unrighteous judgments. Right? And so therefore let us judge, but let us judge righteously in accord with the doctrines of Christ, with God's word, with what Jesus has taught us. Because if we don't judge by that standard, we're not his followers. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you, if my word abides in you, and you abide in me, right? So my brothers and sisters, is his word abiding in you? Because in the unrighteous and the ungodly, the word of God has no place in their hearts. You better judge, and you better judge righteously. Don't allow any... See, the funny thing is the people who claim that you're a Pharisee are the people that are they themselves Pharisees. And they don't want you to call them on their junk. They're whitewashed tombs. They have an outward appearance of piety and holiness, but inwardly they are dead. And they don't want you to call them on their sins that are causing them to remain dead. And so they want to pin stuff on you, psychologically guilt you, so you can shut up. But Paul says, am I here to please men or am I here to please God? I'm not here to please men. Amen. Amen. We must please the one who died for us. He died for us, my brothers and sisters. He spilled his blood for us. And we, therefore, have been purchased with the high price. And we should dare not to... We, we, we should never come to a place to where our master is not worthy of our obedience and worthy of our life as a sacrifice even if it costs you your friends even if it costs you your relationships you have to speak the truth i'm not saying be ugly i'm not saying be arrogant i'm not saying be disrespectful i'm not saying any of that i'm not saying try to you know be this angry heart you know angry filled street preacher i'm not saying that be as respectful as possible be as gracious and kind as you can but at the end of the day when push comes to shove uh, you have to say i'm drawing the line in the sand right here i'm serving the lord and it, you're and those who are my brothers and sisters are in, indeed are those who keep the commands of the lord that's what jesus said who is my brother who is my mother who is my sister but they that do the will of god Just a couple of more scriptures. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. <coughs> Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Here's a fruit test. <sighs> now there's a statement that Jesus is looking for fruits, uh, 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 but not religious nuts. <laughs> you get it? He's looking for fruits, not religious nuts. 
Do do. I think I'm hearing crickets. I don't think you guys got it. Don't be a religious nut. <laughs> let let us bear fruit. Um. So Matthew chapter seven verse fifteen. <clears throat> Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Uh, yeah, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And so... We read in 1 John chapter 4 that there is a doctrine test. Doctrine isn't necessarily scripture. Doctrine is rooted in scripture, but doctrine is the conclusion that we arrive to from scripture. You get that? It's our belief that we we derive from what is taught in the scriptures, right? It's the conclusion that we reach from our reading of the scriptures. Now, secondly, that, that's sound doctrine test. If, if, if these people who proclaim Jesus are not sound in doctrine, then they, they don't serve the Christ. The example is Mormonism. They have a false doctrine. Right? And so, therefore, they are not in the fold of Christ. They're serving a different Jesus. Right? And some of this might be hard for you because you're very inclusive by nature. And you don't want to dismiss people, especially when they're nice and kind. But you have to make that defining barrier. You have to, you have to do that. Because what's at stake is your loyalty to Christ. You see that. And so Jesus has given us a second criteria, and he's telling us it's fruit. Okay, now what are, what are those fruits? John uh, Galatians chapter 5, I want you to turn there quickly, and we have a catalog, we have a description of all of the fruits. We have the fruits of the Spirit that the people of God should be producing, and we have the works of the flesh that Jesus, uh, that Paul gives, that um, we can we can safely say that Jesus had in mind when he was referring to these false prophets, the sort of lives that they live. <clears throat> what is it? Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, um, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And so Paul doesn't give an exhaustive list. He says there's also other things like these, right? And notice in there, notice one of it was witchcraft or sorcery. The same thing that he said to the Galatian church they were bewitched by in Galatians 3 verse 1. Who has bewitched you? So there was a work of the flesh upon these people by these false teachers. But look, at the fruits of the Spirit are this. Verse 22, 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and his desires. So we're looking for fruit. Right? As we test these men. And sometimes it's not easy because they're, you know, they, they, um, they're good at hiding stuff. Right? But we, we, and, and let me say this. One other thing to kind of give you guys encouragement. So in the, with regards to the fruits of the Spirit, we're all growing in that. The Bible says some will produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Some will give off these fruits greater than others. And there will be some strengths that you have. You're more strong in goodness and joy, but you're not. You're lacking in patience. Right? I don't think I'm the only one here. I, I see these in my life. And I'm sure you see them too, to one degree or another. But we're all growing in them. <coughs> and let me share the last, the, the last test. Okay. I want us real quickly to turn to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37. So we've looked at whether or not they accept the true doctrine of Christ and the gospel. Because Paul says, if you don't, if you don't have the sound doctrine and the gospel, then you're anathema. You're accursed if you don't believe in the gospel. And then we're looking for fruit. And then also we want to see whether or not they accept scripture. As the word of God. Once again referring back to that guy from South Africa. He said it's not about a religious text. That's what he said. Now let me show you from scripture what Paul considers about those who say stuff like that. Even if they claim to be quote spiritual. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 37. This is what, the Lord, this is what Paul says. <clears throat> If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual. So notice, some of these people think they're spiritual. He should acknowledge the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. Okay? So he's saying, look, if you think you're a prophet or if you think you're spiritual, cool. I'll I'll entertain that idea for a minute. But if you are, you need to acknowledge that the things that I'm writing, what, what did he write? He wrote scripture. He's saying the things I'm writing are the commands of the Lord. Okay, what does he say following from that? He says this, if, verse 38, if anyone, so who's anyone? It means anyone. Don't matter whether or not you had some cool experience or you wrote a book on five spiritual laws, or you have a wonderful smile like Joel Olstein. Don't matter if you've been on Oprah Winfrey. Don't matter if you're good looking or you're ugly. Right? If anyone does not recognize this, recognize what? 
what Paul is saying. He is not recognized. In other words, he's rejected. We don't recognize that person. You can't recognize the word, we don't recognize you. Who are you? Amen. Amen. Isn't that what Jesus said? Right? If you don't confess Jesus before men, he'll confess, Oh, man, I'm having a hard time recognizing you. Who are you? I don't know you. Well, that man from South Africa, and anybody like him, don't recognize that these are the commands of the Lord. Yeah, you claim to be spiritual. Who are you? I don't I don't think your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't know who you are. You ain't my brother. A Amen, somebody? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I know I know for some this can sound like um you know, mean because it, it it divides. But remember, remember, Jesus said this: "Don't think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I've come to bring a sword." He says, "For the time will come when I will set the sword, and mother will turn against father, or mother against son, son against father, husband against wife." And he says this, and and my brothers and sisters, I feel I feel the weight of this too. He says. If you love them more than me, he says, you're not worthy of, to be my disciple. You're not worthy. If any man loves his life, he shall lose it. But if for his sake you give it up, you shall find it. Are we giving up our lives to the Lord? Even to the extent where it says, you know what? Lord, I know it's a hard thing that you're asking me to put this sword right here because I need to start dividing myself from people. From false prophets, from ravenous wolves. People who claim to be family, but they're not of your sheep. Right? Right? It's a hard thing. But you have to be mindful that sometimes people are a Judas. Right? And and they're not really of of Christ. <clears throat> and so 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll close with this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. No, I'm sorry, we, we won't close with that verse. Um, but I will make this quick. Because we talked about in Galatians where Paul says, if they believe another gospel, right? Well, what is that gospel? <coughs> that we are supposed to believe. That people are supposed to get right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4. Now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you which you received in which you stand. 
and by which you are being saved. So this gospel saves. It saves from hell, saves from the wrath of God. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So you, you can believe in vain. You can be like one of the soils that believe a little while, and then when testing comes, you fall away. Or when the seed is sown, it's sown among thorns and thistles. It says this represents those who are choked out by the worries and the cares of this life and produce no fruit. All right, Or you can be one of those who did not understand the gospel, and this represents the devil taking away the seed and so you can't understand. Or you be one of the four soils that actually produces fruit. <clears throat> and you continue to believe. Verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. That's the Gospel. It's the Gospel of grace. That God was in Christ reconciling himself, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing men's sins unto them. The God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But he that believes not in the name of the Son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So, my brothers and sisters, it is a thing of condemnation. If you don't believe, you will be condemned. If you believe, you will not be condemned. Okay, and so I'll close with the last verses in Hebrew as an exhortation for us to continue in the faith. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 2, 1 through 3. And let, let these words uh, captivate our attention. Therefore we must, uh, must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. You can drift away. Or as the King James says it, slip away. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. So in other words, if you violated the law of Moses, you would be stoned to death. There was consequences for not in keeping with that covenant. <coughs> How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. And Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Take care, my brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that None of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Do you see that? How shall we escape if we neglect the salvation? And my brothers and sisters, you must take heed. Lest there be an, uh, an evil and unbelieving heart leading you, uh, not believing what? Not believing the gospel. Whether it's through satanic deception or through witchcraft or your love for sin. You no longer keep in with the gospel. You don't believe the gospel. And as a result, you don't enter into his rest and you fall away from the living God. 
And my brothers and sisters, be warned, you don't backslide overnight. You backslide gradually, day by day, by day, by day, by day. The people who backslide tomorrow, a year ago, they never would have thought that they would have been in that place. But it says this, exhort one another day every day as long as it is called today. So as long as you're alive today, you need to be exhorting one another. Why? Because the Bible makes it clear that you can be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful. Thomas Brooks, an old Puritan, said this, The sins that taste most sweetest in life will be those that will prove to be most bitter in death. Um, We have come to share in Christ if we hold and maintain our confidence. In other words, we maintain our faith in Him (coughs) and the Gospel. That's how we come to share in Christ if we maintain our faith. What is that what is it that overcomes the world? Is it not our faith as John the Beloved said? Right? What conquers this world? It's faith. It's not works, it's faith. It's not how much you do for God, it's whether or not you have confidence in God. Jesus isn't impressed with your works, he's impressed by faith. Why? Because faith puts everything on God and not us. And God wants to praise himself and say, look at what I did through that man. (laughs) Amen. And so, the last thing I'll say about that verse is this. I I recently had a message someone that has a lot of influence. And I shared my concerns with this this brother, <coughs> and um, he's not a, not in this group, um, but he has a lot of influence, and uh, but he's also very young. And uh, I sent like a ten minute voice message out of my concern for him, not because he's necessarily living in sin, um, but he don't have anybody speaking in his life. And uh, he ignored my my voice message. And I just shook my head like, man, dude. Like, um, good way of editing people out of your life and advice. That's It's those who are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Because they don't allow people to exhort them daily. And so, do do you like Absalom and those guys? You know, when when they when he declared himself to be king, when David was actually king, they didn't invite certain people to their little campaign. So who who are you editing out of your life? Oh, you know, uh, dang, I, I need to avoid uh, Brother Greg because he'll say something. 
or I need to avoid brother or sister so-and-so because I know that if I told them that I'm dating this person, they won't celebrate with me. That can't happen. And see, so you already, you don't want to be exhorted. And guess what? The deceitfulness of sin is already wooing you. You're being charmed. And you may not have in that day, but you're already falling away from the living God. Do you see that? <clears throat> you know, I don't. I don't know if you uh, you remember that old movie. I think it was from the '90s, like Bubble Boy or something like that. Was, was that what it was called, Bubble Boy? Right? Well, there, there's a lot of believers that are bubble brothers and bubble sisters. <laughs> they, they repel everybody. You know, it's funny. I remember one time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just got to share this. Forgive me for my foolishness. Um, one time, me and my a brother in the Lord were going to the mall. And he had like this funky hat. Like... That he was looking to buy along with the funky shirt. So what do you think about this? I said, brother, I can be honest. I think it's a sister repellent. <laughs> I think you finna repel some sisters. <laughs> He's all good. It'll keep me holy. <laughs> It's a tool for my sanctification. <laughs> oh my gosh. Christians, <laughs> Christians can be nerds, man. <clears throat> um, I, I will stop now. <clears throat>